0: Welcome to Unpleasant Movies, the podcast dedicated to harsh and unrelenting cinema. My name is Thomas Simonsen Balmbra. And I'm Sverre Ogur. So in this podcast we'll want to talk about films that are difficult to watch, but thematically interesting. Uh, the kind of movies that you see and you feel the need to talk about afterwards. But yeah, the, the kind of movie you watch and you go, that was
1: weird (laughs) or that was yeah i mean uh, it's
0: something that's kind of hard to watch yeah but it feels important yeah
1: something that uh sort of you watch it and it it uh, puts you slightly out of balance i think uh unpleasant but not necessarily uh unpleasant for the sake of unpleasantness or shocking for the sake of shock value
0: yeah yeah and not like not just a bad movie i mean you can see uh, like a romantic comedy and it can be unpleasant because it just feels fake and, and terrible. Yeah. Uh, but not unpleasant in that sense. It's no. not like a, a B-movie or like a, a terrible movie. But uh, a movie that perhaps terrorizes you a bit with an intention uh, to make you feel and think about...
1: Uh, yeah, puts you in an unpleasant
0: uh, mind mind space. Yeah. Intentionally. Yeah. yeah so a, a good example... Uh, is Requiem for Dream? I think the two thousand movie by Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. yeah, It's basically, I'd say, the different
1: characters and the way that addiction drives them into a very bad place in their lives. Horrible place, actually. Mm-hmm. And and watching the, watching it unfold is just uh, so unpleasant. Which is, I I'd say that's that's sort of the draw of it. There's yeah. sort of the voyeurism of watching these horrible things happen to these characters, but, but it's also very compelling
0: in a in a, just a personal way. Well, there's something subliminal about the tragedy, isn't there? Like yeah. there's something that's uh, looming and large. It's the abyss that kind of sucks you in and engages you in a way that's terrifying.
1: Yeah, yeah. because it, it deals with uh, the, the fears that you can have, you know, the worst place you can possibly end up, you know. Not not to spoil the ending or or anything, but it's it's definitely you end up in some horrible places. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, it's a requiem. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's, it's it's not a light
0: it's not yeah. a light theme. It's yeah. A requiem. yeah, bad it's endings a is generally speaking something we will be talking about a lot yeah. in this podcast. I think.
1: What's your uh, connection to unpleasant movies, and what
0: what what do you mean when you when you talk about unpleasant movies? Well, I guess. F- for me personally, it's kind of an aspect of, of my appreciation of art in general. So, uh, uh, whether you're talking about uh, paintings or literature or, or music, like the, the aspect of something that's uh, troubling or difficult tends to make me more interested. Uh, absolutely. And um, indicates perhaps that you're working thematically on something uh, demanding. Absolutely. The unpleasantness of art in general.
1: Uh, it does have a certain way of, and it ties in with, I think, um, just tension, which is so inherent and so important in drama and art, a way of, you know, drawing you in and making you care about something or even being afraid of something or just engaging with you, I think.
0: For me, one of the like most interesting painters has always been Francis Bacon, who makes these Really intense. Really uh, unpleasant. Yeah. Often he kind of reshapes the uh, human body and kind of twists and turns it into these fleshy. Nearly vibrant, abstract, but also uh, very
1: unpleasantly yeah. inhuman. Uh, monstrous, shapes. I would yeah, say. Yeah, monstrous, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'd say Francis Bacon's work in general is very unpleasant, but that's sort of the point of it, too. You can't see a painting of his or I definitely can't uh, I can't walk by a painting of his and not sort of just stare at it for a, for a good while because you can't ignore it you can't ignore it exactly it's uh, it's like a car crash you can't just drive by without you know uh, looking at it and sort of yeah. facing the
0: humanity of, of that there's something horrible. very compelling about it yeah and uh, uh, with, with, with like these shapes he's working with it's kind of difficult to define. And they're not like, uh, just a, it's not just a monster. No, no, uh, no. But there's something very monstrous about his conceptualization of the human body, I think. Often like uh, screaming faces yeah. and just agony. Yeah. But very beautifully done. Yeah. And often quite filmatic, I think. There's something about like a, a very stark image that confronts you uh, so intensely. In a, way, in a way, you can draw a parallel to Edvard Munch. Yeah, and the scream, for
1: instance, absolutely—it's yeah. just raw emotion, almost just raw humanity laid bare for the world to see. Yeah, and there's something very beautiful about that.
0: Well, to me, I guess it's a little bit—it's um, kind of like a, a bodily existentialism. Yeah, like uh, sort can, of a body horror. Yeah, yeah, body horror. I think is is a good reference for unpleasant movies in general, but also like in terms of art that. To yeah. do with Francis Bacon, and
1: uh... and it's it's sort of the, the 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 cosmic fear of of like bodily being disfigured or dismembered or being like uh, transformed into some horrible beast, like you
0: know Jeff Goldblum in in the the Fly. It's just yeah, it's it's a sub genre of horror yeah. in film, often quite intense and absurd. Films yeah. about transformation narrative, and but it's it's kind of like a term that applies to a lot of different type of cinema, and many different types of filmmakers. I think.
1: Like, like, uh, can you give uh, some examples?
0: Yeah, Lush von uh, is is like a, a, a good Scandinavian representative. Danish, yeah, Danish director. Okay, yeah. Uh, idiots and um, Antichrists. Dogville. Dogville, yeah, yeah. Um, Films that are very intense and uh, troubling, but they leave you uh, feeling something. (laughs) Definitely. I don't always love his movies, but (laughs) they definitely make me feel something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You have a French filmmaker, Gaspar Noe, who's known for uh, Irreversible uh, and the quite recent film Climax. Yeah. She's on cinemas now, and uh, I Stand Alone. His films are also very intense and uh, filmatically quite brutal. Yeah. A uh, lot of moving cameras and harsh cuts. and uh, So is it the technique mainly, you think, in his movies, or is it also the subject matter? Oh, yeah, it's both. So, <laughs> so one sort of enhances the other. Oh, yeah, 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 At, uh, to a very intense degree. Towards the end of the 90s, the, the, the concept of extreme cinema uh, was coined. There's a lot of like very interesting filmmakers working in the 90s and the early 2000s yeah. uh, who made a lot of uh, um, films that were widely seen, extremely intense. Uh, I mean, you have older films like uh, Fellini's uh, 120 Days of uh, Sodom, which is... Well-known and perhaps one of the most unpleasant films you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but um, this period of cinema, which is kind of playing a lot with the genre, using horror elements in drama, using uh, uh, like surreal and, and uh, sometimes science fiction things as yeah. part of a, a narrative that's uh, uh, very confrontational. I mean, like the Japanese filmmaker Takashi Miike, yeah, with films like Visitor Q*, *Audition*, and *Issue the Killer*. *Issue the Killer*, yeah, yeah. It's quite quite unpleasant and
1: quite um, often very genre, genre esque movies. Yeah. But but still, they sort of transcend that to to a certain degree. And they're all, uh, all very <laughs> unpleasant in their yeah. own way. Yeah. Huh. Uh, do you think there's something about that period that sort of brought forth the
0: this sort of trend? in uh, extreme cinema? Well, I guess um, definitely I would say it has something to do with uh, censorship rules easing off. Yeah. Uh, having been quite strong for most of film history. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the 90s were a sort of softening of mm. a lot of rigid rules. Uh,
1: in, in, in how you are now able to uh, subvert censorship laws that previously might have stopped you from from making such movies.
0: Uh, yeah. Or them, uh, distributing them distributing them. Because there's a lot of very unpleasant movies that are older as well. Uh from like the seventies and the sixties. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh but it's interesting because the nineties are
1: generally described and I and I think uh, uh I wouldn't disagree with that as a sort of pleasant period. Uh yeah. so it's interesting how uh, and I think it often happens in art that in general peaceful periods, there's often a tendency to seek uh, the more extreme in art. Like you want to be, you want to see something shocking. You want to see something that maybe doesn't uh, exist at that moment.
0: Well, I definitely think that it's it's strongly related to... Um, like you could like see S- in, uh, in the 50s with the, all the
1: alien movies and all yeah. the horror movies yeah. and all the sort of invasion movies uh, in the 50s, which was generally a, a period of prosperity in
0: in uh, America, but also Europe. I guess it also speaks a lot of the unsaid, the sort of things that you're not really talking about in society. I yeah. Mean, the, the 50s was also a very controlled era in terms very of... Very rigid the, and very yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: traditional. Yeah,
0: yeah. You kind of a, a society teetering on change. Like there's a lot of definitely uh, need of society evolving. Mm. Yeah. In Europe, at least, it's a fairly peaceful period. Yeah, and I, we, I mean we're talking like, about the period before nine yeah. eleven and before the
1: yeah. the 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 terror threats become yeah, a yeah. very real part of
0: uh, everyday life yeah. in Europe and America. Yeah, and, and and I mean a lot of these countries like say. France and Japan uh, and uh, Denmark, for example. They're they're, they're quite prosperous and peaceful. Definitely. uh, uh, Internally, at least, uh, in many ways. I saw saw an interesting piece on YouTube. uh, Lindsay Elliott
1: had a piece about how disaster movies were quite different in the 90s and compared it to War of the Worlds in 2005, I
0: think, and Independence Day from yeah, yeah 94 yeah. or something. Yeah yeah. I think I saw this video essay.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting because yeah. it's it's two quite different takes yeah. on the horror of uh alien invasion. Yeah. Uh and it's it definitely reflects the time period. Like you see uh, in Independence Day you see the White House being blown up, yeah. right? You see all these famous landmarks being blown up in yeah. uh, these exceptional like uh CG or or like practical effect ways mm. and it's mm. as a uh, it's um it's a spectacle, right? Yeah. But yeah. in real world, it's, worlds, it's much more horrible. Yeah. Because uh, the this fair- a Spielberg movie. Yeah. Because you've yeah. seen landmarks being blown up, you know. Yeah. You see, yeah. so so you see the human horror mm. instead of the sort of uh,
0: uh,
1: Eiffel Tower <laughs> getting blown up, you know.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you mean the, the Spielberg movie, yeah. The, yeah, the Spielberg which movie, which is yes, with uh, kind Tom, of like yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a way of uh, relating to. Nine Eleven, I guess. Um, Absolutely, that's a part of his his approach to the material.
1: Yeah, and you even see like specific references to it, like with a uh, with the victims with all like chalky, like yeah. covered in dust, like you've seen in Nine Eleven footage.
0: Yeah, yeah, like from from like that. Uh, so it's
1: definitely uh, uh, interesting how extreme cinema sort of grew grew up in that time period. But but I don't think uh, necessarily it, it reflects. Uh, one-to-one
0: with a time period like that. I think it's interesting in its own right. Well, uh, definitely these filmmakers have things on their minds that they need to uh, uh, horrible, engage. Horrible, things on <laughs> yeah. their mind. Yeah, they they there's stuff that they want uh, the people to engage with. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like Japanese society seems to me from a distance as a quite a tense... Uh, uh, well it's, it's it's there's a lot of stuff bubbling
1: underneath uh, It's definitely a very rigid uh societal structure yeah. and a very uh
0: homogeneous society yeah. which I don't think we have any good parallels to in Europe. No, no, no. I mean the, it's I guess it has kind of a low crime rate in terms of let's say America. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but like uh it seems to be There's quite different expectations on you too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like be a part of a, a corporate culture, or or or, or uh, be a part of the family unit, and, mm. and there's uh, quite a different focus on like your uh, honor in a way. Mm. I think that's not really part of, say, European or or American mm. culture, mm. which I think uh, does reflect in Japanese movie making.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of very intense Japanese movies, both in like in terms of entertainment, uh, and uh, let's say genre fare. Yeah. Uh, comedy movies tend to be quite, and children movies also tend to be quite intense.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and and just extreme. I think a lot yeah. of Japanese yeah. entertainment is yeah. quite yeah. Uh, either extreme or boisterous, or it's yeah. sort of a. Yeah. Uh, I think. For a lot of Japanese, it's a release from the mm. maybe the the sort of quotidian and mundane and mm. sort of pressure felt reality of mm. living in a, one of the most populated and rigid societies on earth. It's, I it's, say as somebody has never been there, of the course. <laughs> but it's interesting because
0: because the, they have the very opposite part of that as well, which is the the type of uh, art and films that are tr- extremely kind of slow and deliberate and very poetic.
1: Which is, right. uh, you know deeply tied to just Japanese art in general and yeah. thoughts about art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and life,
0: like mm. the super technological versus like the very traditional. Uh, Absolutely, you know, the tea ceremony and the, yeah. and the
1: gardens and yeah. it's all very yeah. deliberate and slow paced, mm. uh, which is, I think they have a quite different uh, conception of aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting talking about Takashi Miike because that's sort of,
0: it's not very slow paced. Well, some of his films, uh, he has a few uh, kind of slower kind of films. He has a lot of movies. He's made yeah, he's a lot made, of movies. Yeah. Very productive yeah, 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 uh, director. Yeah. I mean, like, like I think it's like in one of these late 90s, he has like seven movies a year or something. Yeah, it's insane.
1: So, but also the fact that he managed to retwe- retain a, quite a high quality.
0: Well, actually, this—that's the absurd thing because this period of the late '90s, early 2000s, is his most productive and also his most interesting. He, he produces so much yeah. uh, cinema that uh, feels very. Uh, you know what? It reminds me of um, uh, a band called King
1: Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, <laughs> really? Which. Um, I think last year released like five full length albums. Oh, really? And they were all like really high quality. Okay, good okay. albums. Uh, and I just, I'm very fascinated with people who are so prolific and manage to retain a high quality, almost as if that drives them uh, both in terms of quality mm. and output. Like those two things are synergetic or something.
0: Well, I think so. I mean, like you have the, the German filmmaker. Uh, Werner uh, Fassbender as well. Yeah. Who, who's kind like of... One of the Werners of uh, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's, ex- who's extremely prolific. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, different filmmakers who managed to make like a film. Also Werner Herzog is also quite prolific. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Though uh, Fassbender was like kind of an extreme... Yeah. T- closer to something like... Takashi Miike. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think there's definitely something there when you're able to function extremely efficiently, and uh, maybe it's a subconscious thing. You just start. Uh, you got all these horrible, unpleasant things you need mm-hmm. to get out of
1: uh, yeah. get out of your system as fast as possible.
0: So you got, uh, we, uh, <laughs> you, got you got something on your
1: mind there, Sonny. <laughs> got so, something you want to share uh, with the class? Oh
0: yeah, I really do. Yeah, I've so much to share. Uh, So, uh, I guess unpleasant art in general is is quite interesting. And uh, we had this idea that we'd uh, uh, end the podcast uh, with exploration of um, uh, different type of artwork. It can be an image, it can be a song. Visual uh, art. uh, Visual, yeah. yeah. So, uh, today I, I thought we'd talk about a specific song, which is... Kind of the first song I experienced as being like deeply unpleasant when I heard it, I was really put off. Yeah, we'll 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 take two two songs, one each. Oh. Um, so so what's
1: what's the song you'd like to uh, talk about?
0: Yeah, it's it's a, a kind of like an R and B hip hop uh, song, <laughs> kind of, and the artist at least has that kind of background. What, what's it called? It's uh, called "Pretty Ugly Husband" by Sway. British uh, rapper, hip hop artist, yeah. and um, it's uh, it's from 2006 or something. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's um, it's about an abusive relationship, mm, and part of it's kind of like a smooth R&B guy singing. Yeah, the, the about, chorus is yeah.
1: uh is a sort of a smooth R&B, sort of a, quite of the period, like Usher, like uh, <laughs> uh, which is
0: uh yeah, you can you can explain. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, comes off as pleasant and nice and, and chill. And quite a contrast. Yeah, contrast to like the, the sampled conversations. Uh, because there's a sample going almost yeah. through the entire song. Yeah, uh, which is an interaction between this couple where he's being deeply abusive and manipulative and she's extremely victimized. And uh, yeah, he's is hitting her he, and he's yeah, shouting at there's her. There's a fair amount of screaming and uh, suffering. Uh, there's going screaming on. throughout the entire song, yeah, just uh, suffering. And also, the, the beat gets quite dirty and rough, yeah, yeah. It's not a very pleasant beat, uh, yeah, yeah. Especially towards the end, it's quite rough, I think. Yeah. Uh, it sort of devolves, yeah, yeah, and um, it gets gradually worse to listen to. You can't, as you said, you can't really. Listen to it while driving and relaxing.
1: No, it's, I think. <laughs> you you like, put off a, a lot of unpleasant art and uh, unpleasant uh, media in general. I think you have to be in a sort of correct mind frame. You, yeah. you can't, uh, you can't like uh, put this on at a party because you're just going to no, uh, yeah. create th- a horrible atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, it would be
0: it'd be horrible to put this song on on a party. Yeah. But uh, interesting. Y- <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting this song because it's kind of as if. You're sitting at home listening to some pleasant, uh, enjoyable music, and in the other room at the neighbouring apartment, you hear this screaming, uh, horrible confrontation of uh, extreme abuse going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, like like I like I mentioned earlier uh, yeah. in our discussion before recording this that it's. Um it's sort of like being a child and just putting your earphones over and turning your music up to sort of avoid your abusive parents yeah, yeah or your yeah. dad beating your mom. And it's yeah, just, yeah. it's really, really, uh, it's just, it puts you in a really bad place.
0: Yeah. And it, there's not a lot of popular music that, tries to do something like this.
1: No, because it's it's unpleasant to listen to. Yeah. And I yeah. think most popular music wants to either get you to dance or it wants yeah. to put you in you a way. Yeah, <laughs> Makes you happy. Yeah, makes you happy. Or maybe make you sad. But, yeah, yeah. But it, it, sad
0: in a good way. <laughs> but I, I don't think there's a lot of music out there that just sets out to traumatize you. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it it's it's rough. Um, but at the same time, it's it's the kind of thing that figures in a lot of people's lives quite Absolutely. regularly. And it's the sort of thing that, should be talked about. Uh, And I think art has an important role in terms of uh, uh, relating to and understanding. And I think as a way of dealing with it too, and I
1: think it can be quite cathartic to face something as horrible as uh, abuse in the family in such a direct way. It can be almost a relief to meet it head-on like that instead of
0: like in some... uh, uh, metaphorical uh, sense, possibly although in this specific uh, case I don't think the song is a relief to anybody
1: well I think <laughs> if if you are a victim of abuse I think it can be have a sort of therapeutic effect yeah sort of uh, expose yourself to it in a safe setting I guess maybe I don't know uh, possibly could, that it, it, that could, is it, could is it
0: also re-traumatize yeah, <laughs>
1: maybe I think it definitely it could trigger <laughs> some bad memories yeah uh, so, so it's what uh, what wh- what would you say is sort of the function of that song? It would be interesting to have
0: you heard any interviews with Sway about. I haven't actually. It would be interesting. Um, I mean, it's it, it's this song is quite different from almost any other track from him that I've heard. A lot of his stuff is quite. So it's not just songs about. <laughs> no, like, uh, n- domestic abuse. Yeah, no, they're quite nice and poetic. A lot of them, I think, yeah. uh, quite uh, stylish and he's a he's a good artist. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought it
1: was a, g- a good song. Yeah, but it was definitely not something I'd. I might not listen to it a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Frequently, it's yeah. so not
1: that you wouldn't put it on a loop. No. But I think maybe sometimes it will pop up as a sort of a traumatic memory,
0: yeah, or a reference. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I, gu- I guess this, I guess it, it functions as a sort of a, a mirror, in terms of. I mean, what what is what art, What should what kind of function should art have? I mean, it it, it should also be a reflection of the lives people live definitely. and the experiences we have and uh, the discussions we have in society. Yeah, and this type of discussion which is also quite shameful and difficult mm. I think it's important for art to uh, to allow us to um, uh, be confronted Yeah,
1: I think it's difficult to handle that subject matter in a tasteful way so you almost have to go the unpleasant route to be true to the theme of it I think and it works very well in the song because of the the, the sort of contrast it's sort of a song and then it's a sample Uh, and it's sort of two things at once, which is uh, just very interesting in a sort of artistic sense, I guess.
0: Yeah. 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 And also I I guess it's, um, I mean, I feel like uh, art is always shaping our culture. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, And um, I think, Deeply unpleasant art has the potential of shaping culture in a very positive
1: way, and also I think a very deep way because it uh, engages with you in a way that I think a lot of superficial art does not.
0: Yeah, you know? superficial art tends to gloss over problems. Like, there's a lot of like uh, romantic comedies that gloss over kind of abusive, uh, misogynistic behavior. Yeah, uh, especially
1: uh, like in romantic comedy, it's the whole yeah.
0: stalker guy who just yeah, yeah, yeah. shows
1: up with this like boombox or whatever. and He's in, kind in of a, a hero. Yeah, he's kind of the hero, <laughs> but in a real life setting, that would just be really problematic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think also when it comes to art, you have like the sort of safe... Uh, the safe art of like some uh, sentimental scene of like some crying child <laughs> or like a, a beautiful sunset, and you know it's that. I'm sure it has its function too. Well, it has its function, and people like it, but yeah. it doesn't really tell you anything.
0: Yeah, well, it can, but I guess like I'd I'd like it to have more than a decorative function.
1: Well, I'd, well, to I'd, like,
0: it, to, I'd like to be challenged, and and uh, and. Um, uh forced to think uh, yeah i agree like to reframe what i
1: just said um in the words of uh, of morrissey you know the eternal windbag uh, vocalist <laughs> of, of the smiths uh i think it, it's uh, it's it says nothing to me about my life yeah. you know and if it doesn't do that and then it doesn't engage with you, you yeah know? and i think a lot of superficial art superficial music superficial movies they can be good entertainment or just pleasant, but... Uh, he
0: also has a quite unpleasant track, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Meet His Murder is uh, a classic. Well, well
1: yeah. I would say Morrissey is a, a very unpleasant man. <laughs> He's just, uh, just very um, pompous and self-centered and very... Uh, sure, he has the answer for all of life's problems. And just a bit of a douchebag, really. Oh, yeah. But... He's definitely created some good lyrics over the years. Oh, he's a fine musician. Yeah. I don't know about that, but he's definitely a good lyricist. Uh, but uh, I think that's a pretty good uh, pretty good song, pretty good discussion about that song. Yeah. All right. So the next song we'll discuss is uh, a song which is a personal favorite of mine, uh, Ween's uh, Spinal Meningitis Got Me Down, which uh, you should... Find on YouTube or Spotify or something, and and just listen to because yeah. it's very, it's a really good song in my opinion, <laughs> but it's also a really unpleasant song. Now, what I find interesting about it, just as a little precursor to discussing the actual song, is that I've I've seen a lot of fans of Ween mention it as a song they just can't listen to.
0: Well, understandably, I guess. Uh... <laughs>
1: Uh, It touches on some things which I think are very uncommon in music, Mm. which is childhood illness. Yeah. And, I mean, when do you you hear that? Just never. And it's interesting. The song sort of starts with this pathetic sort of parody of a child's voice, you know, talking about, is it going to hurt? And am I going to die? With this sort of faux really deeply unfunky reggae thing in the background with some sort of meaty glockenspiel or something. It just <laughs> sounds really parodic, but at the same time, just very unpleasant. In a sort of... Uh, it's kind
0: of clunky and tinkering and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's something plodding and... Uh, but it's like a playhouse that's gone wrong or something. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It, so- it sounds very childish, uh,
1: which is uh, a criticism I've often heard. It's just... it's It sounds... So, so, just so bad. Yes. You know, it, 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 it brings connotations to dying children, which yes. is not something that you ever want to hear about, really, because why would you? It it brings you to some of the darkest places. But at the same time, what's interesting about this song
0: is that it's it sounds sort of insincere. Well, Wynn is quite a humorous band, I guess. I mean, a lot of the songs have this kind of like... Uh element of the, the strange and unusual but in the context of something quite weirdly funny and appealing as well.
1: People always say that but I don't think that's actually the case to to a large degree because uh, often when we are interviewed they're, the the interviewer you know, inevitably brings up humor in music yeah. but they are actually quite serious about their songwriting and their sort of intentions and I think Yes, it's humoristic, but it's humoristic in the same way that, you know, life is funny. Life is yeah. weird. Sure. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, they managed to frame a theme that's so, you know, so doomy and gloomy mm. in such a silly and stupid way. Mm. that it, It's a, a bit like, you know, the, the previous song we discussed. It's, a, it's very contrast. It, it's very filled with contrast it's almost like two thoughts in your head at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them is really unpleasant. And one of them is sort of, uh, almost funny. Mm. And I think it brings you to a sort of space, which is, uh, a space where a lot of Ween's music take place in this sort of limbo between should I laugh or should I cry?
0: Almost. Well, I'll tell you what it reminded me of. Uh, it reminded me, reminded me a lot of like early residents actually.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, uh, the residents connection, I can see her clearly. Uh,
0: which is also a band that's just very unpleasant. They do have some very, uh, some very strange and unpleasant songs uh, and sounds. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a very playful nature to their, uh, let's say, an artistic endeavors. Which is, uh, I mean, it's, it's like the costumes and like the visual uh, presentations. Yeah, uh, but
1: they're they're a more extremely unpleasant band, I should say, than Ween. Because what's interesting about Ween is yeah. they. Definitely have the capacity to write soothing pop songs. Oh, yeah, and they've absolutely! Yeah, done yeah, so yeah, yeah. many times, yeah. and I mean, they have a um, a country album called uh, 12 Golden Country Greats." Yeah, 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 yeah. With uh, which has a track list of eight songs, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just uh, really smooth country music. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that they decide, you know, to make such unpleasant and you know abrasive uh, music. Because they don't have to; it's a choice they make to make to go into that unpleasant zone, into that unpleasant, you know, mine and dig out some gold. Hmm. I think that's pretty, pretty, yeah, good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess that the, the project is very different than the, the residence project. Who are, yeah, absolutely. Um, they're not; they didn't start out as musicians as such. No, uh, <laughs> uh, and they perhaps have more of like an experimental uh, uh, approach.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Residents, which is interesting, because uh, I remember there was some speculation about the Residents being the Beatles.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Meet the Residents. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, and Ween, one of their biggest influences, is definitely the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they have a very sort of pop core yeah. at the at the heart of their uh, experimental weirdness. Yeah, yeah which yeah. I think Residents actually
0: don't. No, uh, absolutely not. Uh, th- there's only one exception, which is the Residence commercial album. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, I think I've heard it, but uh, yeah. it's been a while. It's like a collection of 40 songs. They're a minute each, and they're quite catchy, funny, weird. Uh, yeah, some pretty good. But you, generally speaking, they don't really do much in the way of catchy uh, songs. No. Uh, they sort of, I, I think they're pretty... Um, a uh,
1: good they, example of people creating unpleasant art.
0: They have their own agenda, which Definitely. isn't necessarily have their own to do... They project. It's not necessarily to do with the, with the entertaining no. uh, first and foremost. And I like that. I think that's uh, mm-hmm. an
1: integral part of why unpleasant art is so cool. I saw an interview with the keyboardist in the Rammstein. Yeah. The German sort of industrial uh, metal band. yeah, yeah. yeah and i really just liked the way he, because it he was in being interviewed by some douchebag uh american journalist for some like uh rock magazine or yeah, something. because they have a new album now they have a new yeah. album and um it wasn't in relation to that album but he was basically asked what do, what are you trying to say with your music yeah and i really liked what he's what he what he said because he said what do you mean i'm not trying to say anything yeah i'm you know, I'm making something, and if you want to listen to it, if you want to partake in it, yeah. uh, that's up to you. Yeah. But I'm not actively trying to tell you anything, and I think that's really just um, he has such integrity, or, or or they have an artistic vision with such integrity that they don't have to sort of uh, push it on you. And I think that's what appeals to me with a lot of unpleasant things, is that you sort of have to dip your feet into it yourself.
0: Well, I guess I guess the act of interpreting art itself or, or entertainment uh kind of makes it more interesting and it like gives you a certain feeling of ownership over, yeah yeah, yeah. if it's just spoon-fed it it means less i guess mm.
1: but i i think that's a pretty good place to to yeah. end the podcast yeah. it's been sort of a meandering discussion about several different topics and artists and yeah movies yeah. but
0: and uh, we'll try uh, from the next one on we'll start the discussion based around a specific film and then we'll go from there well
1: I hope you have a horribly unpleasant day (laughs) and uh, see you next time